Dana Townsend, a disabled black woman living with MS. I'm a professor, content creator, and all around dope person. Unlearning and unpacking all the toxic junk I've picked up while living most of my life as a temp in an ableist society. I'm Carlos Kareem Mundum. They, them. I am a black and native facilitator, comedian, and musician living with MS. Join us as we explore and examine the Venn diagram of culture, politics, and more. The full range of intersectional issues facing disabled folk in a racist and ableist world. We will raise our spirits while we raise your awareness, and we all raise the temp on these temps, uh, temporarily abled people, to help them get some act right. Join us this season on Myelin and Melanin, Raising the Temp. So a couple months ago, I was looking for a TED Talk um, to show my students about Black Disabled Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. Just that theme. And so I came across this TED Talk with, by the Triple Cripples is what they're called, two okay. women. And one of them, her name is Kim Oliver, and she has MS. And so the purpose of the talk, it wasn't MS specific, but of course, because she has MS, you know, I connected to that. Right. So it was a really good talk and I will link it in the show notes because people should watch it, it's really good. So I was really impressed with her and really impressed with the talk. And so I looked her up on IG only to find out that she follows me. I was like, mm. oh wow, like isn't that, it's a small world. So totally small because obviously like my Instagram has nothing to do with disability or anything at James Baldwin. Like that's what my IG is. So I thought it was really cool that for whatever reason she connected with me. So anyway, so I reached out to her and and this was before raising the temp was an actual thing, but I knew I had to interview her and connect with her. I just knew right. that this was going to be a thing. Right. So we connected. She's in, I think at the time. So we recorded this back in around Thanksgiving, maybe. And I believe she was in London anyway. And it's always like, you know, when you're dealing with, uh, you know, people, international people, like it's, getting schedules together is a thing like okay it's insane. I think she's like five hours ahead of me or whatever anyway that's neither here nor there so anyway yeah that is that so i was so super excited that yeah that she in just the universe works in crazy ways she just happened right. to follow me and we just happened to connect but we had a really good conversation about black disabled lives mattering and just decolonizing our thoughts as it relates to all the things so and i won't give too much away about the interview but yeah side note though and we'll have to talk about this when we talk next when you know our schedules allow but my um godmother and aunt had passed away on the week before last it was expected it's mm. still sad but you know it was an expected thing and the so her funeral was on last saturday god time is flying oh, wow. last saturday and a couple of things were very triggering about the whole situation and experience so <laughs> my, you think a couple right, things about the funeral right. were triggering okay so okay so Many of the people at the funeral, I haven't seen in years, right? And that's just how it right. goes when, you know, at funerals, weddings, you know, all that type of stuff. So many of these people did not know that I am disabled and, you know, use wheelchair, blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine, whatever. And so the amount of, like, oh, no. disgusting ableism oh, no. was just... Uh, so yes like oh my god how are you feeling like just because i am in a wheelchair does not mean that i'm sick or right, right. anyway that's a whole thing and so we'll talk about that we'll have to talk about that oh, so triggering so gross so yeah that's incredibly upsetting 
so upsetting right it's bad enough funeral but um yeah just the and of course like people think that they're well-meaning but it's so patronizing and so just well they're following social scripts you know they're not they 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 don't they don't know what they're doing they're uncomfortable and so they're just saying what they think they're supposed to so exactly and it totally puts i don't want to say me on the defensive but it's like oh how are you doing well actually i'm doing this this and this and you know what i'm saying like it puts you on like the you know and of course like i'm feeling shitty it's a funeral this is my god whatever but like i felt that i had to put on the act of like i'm all good like you don't have to feel sorry and then start performing and all that it's right it's a whole drama so anyway yeah Well, I'm so sorry. I'm glad that you're you're back and yeah. not having to deal with that bullshit. Right. Good lord. Yes. Good lord. It's just yeah, just just totally gross. So with that said, I'm excited for people to listen to this interview. You want to read her bio so the people I'm, can I would hear be how amazing to. that so her I don't even know if I said her name. Her name is Kim Oliver. And again, she is part they're a duo part of the triple cripples she's amazing and yeah people just need to hear how dope she is so yeah well let's say this kim is a multifaceted creative thinker writer speaker and consultant committed to envisioning an equitable future for those within the margins of the margins through ideological and structural transformation she is the quote unquote official goddess of the triple cripples thank you a platform dedicated to highlighting the narratives and increasing visibility of black and non-black millennial melanated people millennial and millennial people (laughs) and millennial people too and gen z's and gen x's and everybody living with disability features vogue al jazeera the british library university of oxford wow foundation come on now Come on, LSE, Estee Lauder. Ooh, I want to hear more about that. Right. Right. And it's been on in a whole uprising. Come on now. That's our that's that, that's that's the peoples of the peoples. That's my people. Right. That's my people. I uh somebody, I oh shit. Now everybody's name is blanking on me. I'm gonna stop talking right now before I get myself in trouble. In a whole uprising, check them out too. This is Kim. If that biography didn't do it for you, if you didn't understand what those features are. If you don't know what those are, do your Googles. If you're not on the Googles, go ahead. It's fine. Do your bings with whatever it is. Get there. Find out more. And in the meantime, please listen to this conversation. Uh, I've heard bits and pieces. It is amazing. Uh, Dana's amazing. You know this. You know what we're doing. We're raising the temp. Raising the temp. Um, I was saying that... Uh when Jamoka and I first started Triple Cripples, and maybe just before that, I was going to a lot of um, black events that were dedicated to, you know, education and community empowerment. And I remember bringing up at one of them, the, you know, the fact that it wasn't, some of the events that I tried to go to weren't accessible. And there's a mm-hmm. whole community of black people who are being excluded from not just being um, educated, but being empowered and being in community. And one of the um, hosts or leaders of the, in the environment said that, you know, we have to think about being black first, those things can come, but we have to think about, you know, being black first. And that's the problem, you know, um, we want to con- join other fights when, you know, we want to join feminism and we want to, but actually we have to think about being black first. And I just remember sitting there and thinking, okay, so after, and I, this is not a, a hot take by any means, but mm-hmm. I was just like, uh, after we liberate black people, which, and by, by black, you mean men, mm-hmm. you mean black men. By virtue of what you said, you mean black mm-hmm. men. And then you liberate black women, which will have to come after white women and all the other women that need liberating because mm-hmm. we're at the bottom. What, where, where do black disabled women sit in the, like in the order of liberation, like our, our ticket is at the end, right? So mm-hmm. 
am I going to be dead before <laughs> probably a few generations of death? And, and the thing is, disabled people will still be being born, will still be dying, will still be being born, will still be dying, will still be being born, will still be dying. And I just remember thinking, if that's what our liberation is, I don't want it. I don't want any part of it. I don't want to be part of an environment that thinks that I'm less important and that I'm distracting from the real issues yes. by saying I want to be part of our liberation, that I want to be present, that I want to help organize, that I <laughs> like that is to me, that's just what is the difference between that and what we're already experiencing? I don't see the difference. And if you if you don't care about me, why do you expect me to support you? What is that? Supporting Jack. Yes. I can't even come, but you want me to support you? That's the thing. You know, it's sort of like fuck a seat at the table. Can I get in the room physically? Yeah. Like, can yeah. I get in the room? You know what I'm saying? Like, these are things that people don't think about. And again, like I think reinforces the need for people with physical disabilities to be in the room because yeah. if you don't, and and the reality is if you don't know, you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. You don't. Fact. You know, yeah. that is just the reality. You don't know what you don't know. Therefore, you need people who know. You know what I'm saying? If somebody is yeah. telling you that, hey, this is inaccessible. I can't, you know, it's something that the average temp probably had not even considered, which is so, which is again, the reason why we need to be in the room. Not just in the room. We need to be invited in and put yes, at the head 100%. of the table. Like, 100%. because just us being there, we can still be silenced the same way we're silenced yes. on the outside. You're so right. Yeah, no, exactly. you need to be inviting me in, not just can I get in. I need I need an invite and I need so that true. invite to accompany you saying, tell us what we need to do. Because actually our, libera our liberation is tied to yours intrinsically. And if we don't mm -hmm. get you out, we can't get out. And that's, I think, what is missing. And, and it's weird that it's missing because with all the scholarly work and all of the kind of education and this kind of this, uh, although we talk about decolonizing, there is a lot of um, stock placed in people being able to acquire these kind of Western degrees and this, that and the other. And I've studied here and I've studied there and I've read all of these books and I've got this qualification and that qualification. Meanwhile, your qualifications mean naught and your analysis is naught if you have not figured out that the way things have been you've the way things have been done or we've been trying to do things is ineffective and actually the system we need to turn it on its head and start from where it needs to start which is we call it the margins but actually that's the center that is the core yes right yeah and if it, all of those things, like it's worth nothing. I can't remember who said it. I feel like it's Henrik Clark or something said that, you know, your education means nothing if it does not lead to your freedom. And with all of the so-called quote unquote, black excellence, this and black excellence, that, mm -hmm. and all the books being written and this, that, and the other, if we're still talking about disabled black people as an addendum, as opposed to the core subject. Yeah. Because that's what I read and I listen to a lot of books and we're like, uh, you know, uh, just in addition, like you, the extra comma at the end. So yes, yeah, so if we're not talking about black, blah, 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 blah. And what about this? And then blah, 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 and then disabled. But the, it's always like just some part of a list, right? Mm -hmm. If that isn't the core, then I don't know what the point is. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, and again, like you had said before, it, it's just a distraction. You know what I'm saying? Like that's mm. not, people don't think that that's the meat of the issue. Mm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Care, care, love. And these things are so important. Um, we, we criticize this system for lacking humanity and not placing humans at the center of it functioning. And, you know, not having care for the people that helps it to function. What does care look like? What does love really look like? If you're saying that you have a community that's built on care, that's built on love, 
that's built on the idea that humans are valid just because they're here and they deserve to be loved and cared for because they're here. What does that society really look like? And who do we use as a measure for how much love and how much care exists in a society? Yes. Yes. Otherwise, we're just we're just saying things. We're just saying self-care Sunday. We're just saying community. We're just uh -huh. saying these words without actually analyzing what they mean or following them to their logical conclusion. But why? And, and that's, I'm, I'll be very honest, like in a lot of ways, I've become quite um, disengaged. Um, you probably noticed on, on the Triple Cripples page, I've become very disengaged because that's what it feels like. It feels like people reading prose. It feels like, <laughs> yes. you know, there isn't really, we're not really trying to follow these things to their logical conclusion. We're just kind of just saying things and, you know, we're happy to stay comfortable in particular types of, or we're happy to reinforce particular types of oppression because yes. they enable us to remain comfortable mm -hmm. and allow us to still have access to particular realms of society. Because actually, if we were to really interrogate and follow things, as I said, to their logical conclusion, it would mean that we would have to reassess our position within the society and the culture. We'd have to reassess some of our ideas and ideologies within the society and the culture and shift and give up space and give up room, right? And really consider who we are and where we are and what we're actually doing. And if we're actually contributing to any change. And I, I feel like that is a space, and this is specifically directed not towards, I don't care about white people, I'll be very mm -hmm. honest, but this within um, a black context, I feel like thinking about those things will directly challenge um, and be very difficult to deal with for a lot of people who think they're doing the work mm. and who are venerated for doing the work because actually the work they're doing isn't the work at all. And, if, and it's gonna be hard for us to kind of come to terms with that and admit that for real because your heroes, the ones you're hashtagging, the ones whose books you're mm -hmm. buying, yep. aren't doing anything different, aren't mm -hmm. doing anything to actually help you progress or help you get free. They're using new terms. They're using new, they're coining new frameworks to describe things that we already know mm -hmm. um, that help us understand them better, but they're not fundamentally shifting anything if, Dana isn't at the center, if Kim isn't at the center, mm -hmm. they're not. And that means none of you are gonna get free, ever. Period. <sighs> There's just so much. There's so much to unpack. Mm. Um, it's a lot. It's hard for us to kind of think of ourselves as oppressors when we are oppressed, right? We, we say that a lot and we recognize that, but the reality of it is that your entire um, raison d'etre or whatever, however you pronounce it, is, is founded on falsehoods, right? It's founded on, um, I was thinking the other day about, the idea of decolonizing, right? And I was like, and I know this is not a hot take because many people have mm. said it before me, but it's near impossible to decolonize anything because even the lens through which I'm trying to decolonize is a white lens. Everything that I see, everything that I think about every is in, is in comparison, opposition to, relative to the mm. construct of whiteness, and what it has shaped in my consciousness in the world around me. And that's something that I think about all the time when I'm, even how I express myself, I'm speaking in English and mm -hmm. using that to translate my soul, right? I'm translating mm -hmm. my soul through a language that isn't, you know, um, congruent with my essence. Mm -hmm. And I'm living in a 
an environment where even if I think about the things inside my room, the kind of architecture, the colors that are being used, the things that I see immediately outside mm -hmm. my window, my whole sense of being and reality is being shaped by that which I'm seeing, that which I've been taught and how I've been taught to view the world and see the world. So even when I'm thinking about, okay, decolonizing the way I view things, how do I do that in that context, right? How do I do that when everything I've been taught to love and value and see as different and see as progressive and see as, you know, revolutionary has been fed to me through um, the lens that whiteness has afforded me, like that the structures that whiteness has afforded me, because please believe like there are, even the people that we consider to be heroes, we hear about them not because, a lot of us hear about them, not because we were present, but because their name is allowed in Western media, right? Mm -hmm. Because their stories are allowed in Western. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? And so if we're not constantly, if you're not constantly when you're in the world as a black person, as an indigenous person, as a person who is non-white, like if you're not constantly attacking your view or attacking your worldview or attacking and really attacking it constructively and kind of, as you say, um, deconstructing mm -hmm. the way you view things and not taking everything as rote. Um, if you're not doing that, like it's, then I feel like we've, you're losing the battle you're trying to win. Yes. Because it's so much deeper and it's so much, it's so much deeper than what we know and what we can see. And as I said, a lot of this realization only came from the contrast of being abroad and being here, you know? Anyway, I've gone on a tangent, my, well, my bad. <laughs> we were lazy. The reality is all of these things, it's perpetual. Mm. It's a mm. constant decolonization. Mm. It doesn't yeah. end every day. You have to work on it. Mm. Um, I showed this video um, in one of my classes by, um, it was a TED talk that was given by, he's a, a DJ here in the States, in New York. His name is Jay Smooth. But anyway, he talks about how he, now he's a very light-skinned black man. Mm. Um, and he talks about how he began to enjoy talking about race. Nobody mm. likes to talk about race. We, we know mm. that. But really emphasizing the fact that being anti-racist and, and talking about, it's, it's not, he compared it to being a clean person. Mm. You're not a clean person because you took a shower one time. <laughs> because you take a shower every day you wash your hair brush your teeth yeah. it's an everyday thing you have to work at it mm. and I think that that is where when we we talk about decolonization in, in every context it's something that you have to work at constantly mm. but we're lazy we want to say well I read this book I'm not you know I'm decolonized mm. I'm not you know yeah. no it's got you every day you have to interrogate all mm. of these systems. Yeah. You know, it's a perpetual process, which I think scares people. And just yeah, make them want to say, oh, yeah. fuck it, it's too much. Yeah, exactly. You know? And it's scary and it's also, it's exhausting, right? I, oh, I recognize yeah. that it's exhausting, but in some ways it's exhaustion that we have to endure in order for later generations not to be exhausted like if yes. if we don't do it like it's just it's just not going to get done and it means analyzing the way you wash your hair mm. the things that you use in your kitchen why you think certain things are okay why you don't like it means and and that's alongside you know the experience of life and whatever individual kind of situations mm -hmm. and experiences you have whether you have traumas whether you've had bad habits whatever yep. that's alongside all of that mm -hmm. but you know humans we have the capacity for that for because that's what life is that's what life is um yeah. and yes it's wearying um but i i 
I promise you, it is not more wearying than what we're living in continuing into like continuing ad finitum, like finitum. Like it's just not, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just it, this work that we're doing. And that's the other thing about Western ideologies, right? Um, I was talking about this with my friend K15 the other day. He's who makes like the music, the bedding tracks for our um, podcasts and stuff. Mm. Um, I don't know why I'm calling it a podcast because we haven't recorded for ages, but don't worry about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but we were talking about yesterday, the idea of this um, self-care and kind of these, these languages we're using in this, let's do this for self and center me at the center of everything. That's That's not very that's quite western that i'm i that Mm -hmm. island of i right Mm -hmm. where i'm not part of the community where i'm not i'm not responsible for anything that happens outside of my body right and outside of my mind anything other people's feelings are their own problem other people's this that and the other and it's like that you know or you know this idea of self-care and anything that makes you feel minutely uncomfortable you shouldn't deal with at all anyone that makes you any conversation that's minutely uncomfortable no you shouldn't have to deal with that you know and it's just like my gee like at some point in life one of the ways in which you have to live life is by sometimes being uncomfortable sometimes sitting with things that cause you discomfort so you can work through them so that you can come to another side of learning of understanding other people we are connected we are inherently connected to every single person on the planet that we're connected to everyone and so yes my actions can impact others yes their actions can impact me yes their emotions are relevant it's not to say that I'm always the cause but if I think of us as being connected I know that okay sometimes I feel a certain way I don't understand it all the time but them expressing themselves isn't someone expressing themselves isn't necessarily um oppressing or burdening me right right that that's we have to be able to there's nuance to everything but these blanket ideas of individualism these blanket ideas of you must always be comfortable you must always feel happy you must always where where, first of all where's the contrast how do you know what happiness is um but also it's it's not to say that life should be full of tragedy because I also don't feel like we should be attached to the idea of suffering as a, um, I don't know, rite of passage. Right. Um, but I also think that the same way we have different seasons, everything in nature is a mirror. Everything in nature. Mm-hmm. Why would you, it's just such a, it's so problematic because it creates so much not just division, but an, a lack of empathetic understanding of your place, not just within your community or your family or your friendships, but on the planet. Yeah. On the planet. Ugh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot. Well, it's interesting what you said about this idea of self-care. And it's interesting. So on my Instagram, I for uh, yesterday, Sunday, and for one of my posts, I, you know, hashtagged it self-care Sunday. And it Mm -hmm. was a video that I posted of the author Toni Morrison Mm -hmm. reading from her book beloved which is making white people absolutely crazy and that was my self-care listening to her read from this amazing but awful you know awful depiction of reality that is making white folks feel uncomfortable that was my self-care yeah you know what i'm saying and so i think that when we need to reframe what we mean when we say self-care because again anybody who's ever read the book beloved it is a highly uncomfortable book yes to read i don't care who you are especially i would argue for black yeah yes Um, but you need to self-care is really like giving yourself the space to feel uncomfortable Mm. you know what i'm saying making space thank you thank you making space for the fullness of your humanity and that includes discomfort yes yeah that 
that includes discomfort. Like it's just, yeah, I, I think that there is, there is, um, and I don't know if it's social media. I don't know if it's the social uh -huh. media age that is flattening life. Yeah. It's flattening right. it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it has to be, it's flattened and in bite-sized palatable chunks yeah. that require no further kind of reflection or um, investigation just take, yeah no you just take it you yeah. run with it you repost it done it's gone yeah. you just what in one eye out uh -huh. the other like, yeah you just don't and so it's in, in as you said it's it's making us lazy it's also making us susceptible to programming in a very very new way mm. you know um Whereas before you had to do kind of years of education in a particular institution and years mm. of, I don't know, religious education in a particular kind of right. temple or church or whatever. Now I've trained your brain to literally just take these snapshots to work, first of all, in 30 seconds to one right. minute um, right. bouts to uh -huh. only be able to endure that length of information in an engaged manner. I've trained it for titillation. I've also trained it to, if it is engaging with um, more, uh, I guess, if we want to say meaningful content, it has to be in a particular format. It has to be a particular length, has to be a particular yeah. size. It has to be re retweetable or memeable. Yep. Otherwise you will struggle to take it in. And it also shouldn't require you to do any further research of your own. Yes. So, it, it's just it's a flattening and also it's reducing the depth of people's understanding um of the world around them and each other right um and if that's the main way in which especially i think about younger people and the ways in which that they're now communicating yes it's um it's actually quite dangerous as humans to be in that position it means you're incredibly susceptible to being, and I said it just now, like being brainwashed, but also like the social ramifications of that, your dealings with one another, your interactions, I'm sure in about 30 years, if the planet is still around, uh, <laughs> I'm sure that they will do some study and talk about, oh, the dangers of, you know, TikTok and Instagram and these things and on the psyche, the same way they've done the research on porn and how it affects this physiology of the brain and all of this. Uh -huh. They'll come out and say these things in 30 to 40 years time or even a hundred years where they talk about, wow, wasn't that crazy? Why are human beings doing that to themselves? Right. Um, and talk about, you know, all of those things. And I just, I sometimes I think, I know they say history repeats itself, but I just think there are so many people on the planet. Why would we allow history to repeat itself in such a way? Especially with all the information around, I don't know. We're not supposed to be talking about my views on technology though. Um, so I, we can go back to <laughs> how, how do we even get here? I don't even know. You said you do tangents, but Kim does tangents. So. Sometimes tangents are where the meat is at. You know what mm. I mean? Like that's like where it is. Yeah. Like that's really the tangents mm. are the center. Sometimes. Yeah, there you go. But you then know. in that vein, what you were saying earlier about um, the palatability of disability pride in the in the in the vacuum that is the covid 19 pandemic uh -huh. once it is over because right now it's all, all disabled people are online right yep. you're seeing them on your screens in these mm. short little snippets doing makeup tutorials and right. you know all of this kind of stuff and doing fashion shows for you in your screen you can scroll yep. you can like it and move along but what happens when disabled people have to enter your communities now? What happens when they have to come to actually come to your workplaces and you're not doing this kind of, no, we're super inclusive because COVID, you know, it's remote. What happens then? And that would be interesting to see because bite-sized cake disabled people have been cool for like a year, maybe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, exactly. Right. Yeah. Well, what's going to happen when these work from home and virtual jobs and all that, mm. we do away with that and go back yeah. to quote unquote normal no normal yeah. was never normal like yeah. i don't want to go back to what yeah normal society was yeah. this is fuck it's interesting so i did 
some and the company will remain nameless but Mm -hmm. um I was approached by um, a company through my Instagram who you know this person who is you know one of the heads of the company really was you know into what I do on my Instagram James Baldwin and all the things Mm -hmm. and so they had um approached me to help kind of uh you know, come up with some ideas for their Black mm. History Month programming. Mm. Okay, cool, fine, whatever. So, you know, they included me and on that, you know, I was able to do some work and mm. whatever. Cool, great. So, and now the person who I was working with, he is the, um, like the president of DEI for this yeah. organization, right? And, okay. So when... July came around, which is Disability Pride Month, and I, you know what right, exactly. Yeah. Um, I had suggested that you know they do something that highlights or you know amplifies even the word, the terms disability, because people don't like to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And there was like silence. Now this is a mm-hmm. DEI person. And it's so fascinating to me. Just this whole DEI is a buzzword now. Diversity and yeah. inclusion. You don't mean, you're not talking about people with disabilities. That's not yeah. who DEI people are thinking about. And not it's at, so all. at all. And it's so interesting, kind of like the, you know, deer in headlights look you get when mm. you bring up the issue of disability to people doing DEI work. It's sort of like, oh. You know, like that's like, this is what you do. Like, you know, yeah. this is, but they're so far removed from it. it mm. It's disgusting. It's too much work for them, right? Yes. It's too much work. They'll have to think um, beyond having um, pizza lunches with, or, you know, cultural food day. <laughs> it is. <laughs> They'll have yes. to think beyond that. Yes. Well, and you know, one of the things going off on um, usual tangent, um, disability fucks up people's aesthetic. You know yeah, what I'm saying? And there was some, when I wasn't using a wheelchair, um, you know, I progressed, you know, I used a cane mm. and walker, all the things. I would like literally hide my cane in yeah. pictures because I didn't want it to ruin people's pictures with yep. disabled girl well now like I'm full-blown <laughs> yeah um, so but that said yeah. like mobility aids they fuck up people's aesthetic you don't want to see me like looking cute in my no. wheelchair like that I don't want to see everything. that yeah because it ruins everything it's true I remember being um when I first became disabled and I did need crutches in a Christmas picture being told by a family friend they were like hold on to the door frame move the crutches out of the picture and it was just such a thing they were like move the crutches out of the picture they'll spoil the picture let me take a picture of you right and so I'm there the picture's still there like I'm and also at an event like the, my they take the crutches away from you because they don't want you to look bad in the picture because you look yeah. so good right. don't look bad in the picture. Right. and it doesn't matter if the crutches are the same color it doesn't matter if they're yeah. like pimped out it doesn't matter it uh-huh. doesn't matter it's the the mobility aid itself right yes um I've been asked before when I f- was using the crutches in the wheelchair I've been asked to stand and get out of my wheelchair to take a picture before right um because we're taking a picture um so we're taking a picture so you know and that just that don't get the wheelchair in and so yes. I make it a point now to when people are taking pictures of me because they always try and just do it up a torso if, yep. if you give people the, the camera to take a picture of you they'll try and do a torso picture yep. i'll be like is the wheelchair in they'll be like oh and it makes them uncomfortable because even though the pic they're not inside the picture it's yep. still uncomfortable for them to see it and for it to frame it and to have it as a tangible part of that scene 100 and you know as you're talking like i really think that Disabled people really give people a glimpse into humanity. Like we force people to Mm -hmm. see their humanity in Mm -hmm. us. Because again, like, and this is not, you know, to scare people. Well, you could be me. You could be me. You know what I'm saying? Like you could be. 
And that's just, mm-hmm. and it's, and what's so shameful about it is that like, you know, our mobility aids and things like that become props that mm-hmm. people don't want to acknowledge because it's too real. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, because they're supposed to be punchlines. They're not supposed yes. to be real, right? Exactly. This isn't the thing that lets me live my best life. Like, this is just like a thing that, again, like forces you to mm-hmm. grapple with issues that make you uncomfortable. And, and like, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, go on. Yeah. No, it's, yeah, it's an insidious thing. And again, and I'm not even gonna, I'm not um, exempt from this. Like, I don't like, like people, if I'm doing, you know, I'm do, like having this talk with you, like, I don't want to like, you know, back up and like have my wheelchair in full. I, there's so much pent up internal internalized ableism in me that I don't even want its mm. presence there. Mm. Even though again, like this is a tangent too. Like I, and I'm sure you feel the same way. Like I'm not confined to a wheelchair, you know, yeah. all those things, you know, words and language matter yeah. with as much freedom as my wheelchair and any mobility aid gives people. Mm. Um, it's like, you know, sort of like your arch nemesis, like you don't, yeah. you know, I don't, yeah. Um, it's, and, but that's based on people's perception of you yes. within it. Yeah. That's what's affecting how you feel about it. Right? 100%. Because, you know, if you're showing me your to- torso, I'm not thinking, oh, my gosh, she's in a wheelchair. Yeah, oh, my yeah. gosh, does she do her legs work? Oh, my gosh. Like, uh, all of those things that yeah. happen. Or, oh, my gosh, she's less than... It. The fact that I can understand her is amazing. Wow, oh, she right? can talk. Like, right. You right. Know. <laughs> exactly. It, like, it fucks people up because people assume that somebody in a wheelchair, like, can't talk. Like, they have all of these yeah. crazy stereotypes. And it's like, okay, Media. we just... Yes. And we've just had this really good, deep, thought-provoking conversation. And you see me on wheelchair and it's like, your mind is blown. Like, yeah. what? And you in know? fact, it almost erases and negates everything you said up until that yes. point for them. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> They're like thinking back and interrogating everything that we talked about. Like, it's yeah. somehow like, it's not real. Yeah. Yeah. Any you know? kind of rapport that you had, any kind of... um uh fondness that was established anything that existed within those moments the minute that they see the wheelchair it erases it all and reframes it for them in the context of you being having a disability and being being not the same as them and therefore you can no longer relate yes and or even which is even more disgusting like people will feel like you've lied to them if you haven't said oh, hey, well, just so you know, I'm in a wheelchair. Like, that's not the first thing that, like, that doesn't define me. But it when they find out that you yeah. have a disability, like, it's like the ultimate betrayal. You yeah, know, because, because you didn't lead with yeah. And And also because societally, like, a disabled person is a social pariah. And to be associated with that, like, that's tarnishing my perception of who I am in society right that's that's also tarnishing my reputation I can't be seen with you but now it's not even that's not what it is they know all of those things in society about how you're seen but what's Mm -hmm. really bothering them is the fact that they see you the same way and that somehow makes them a bad person yeah and they don't want to see themselves as a bad person yeah then they they then dump that on you as you being the criminal right right <laughs> yep. you're the bad one right you for, should have told for making me. me a bad person in this yes. moment <laughs> exactly. right exactly because it does it shines light on all of your nasty able and yes. again the reality is that we don't know what we don't know people don't yeah. know it, a lot of times it isn't until i'm i was the most ablest person in the world before I became physically disabled so much you know what I'm saying but it wasn't until I became physically disabled that I started to out of necessity I have to unpack these things because this is my reality now yeah um but but a lot of time again like until you are in a position or somebody that you love 
or cared for is in a position where they're trying to navigate you know, these nasty waters, not just accessibility, but again, people's attitudes mm. um, and assumptions uh, about you because of disability. Like it's, mm. yeah. But like you said before, like, it's almost as if, you know, if somebody feels some kind of way because you didn't lead with the fact that you have a disability and all of a sudden it's a bombshell. Now mm. they know I'm talking to this disabled person. Yes, you've made them, you've made them a villain because again, like you said, they know how they feel about people like you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's such a, experiencing it is a horrible thing. Experiencing it is horrible. Seeing that, seeing it cross their face, seeing, hearing the tone change, yes. hearing the conversation style change, hear, seeing the conversation shift onto it in a way that then becomes a curiosity rather than an interest yes, right yes um and then the 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 spiritual or energetic disconnection that happens from their part mm-hmm. um and just it, it's such a horrible experience um but then you as the disabled person are always left to pick up those pieces and then also seeing them shift from now you need to prove that you're worthy of being in my kind of sphere or talking to me or you know because I was doing you a favor this whole time I didn't even know but now I'm some kind of you know humanitarian (laughs) and I've eaten all that up you know as I've become more you know as I become physically disabled like I find that I have to lead with all of my accomplishments because you need to know that okay you know I'm I'm a college professor and I've been doing this for years and blah 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 and like I feel a responsibility to say all these things so you know I'm not just like this pitiable woman in a wheelchair like no I'm like that in itself and that in itself is a form of ableism, right? Yes. The 100%. fact that I have to prove that I'm human to you through these things that make me exceptional. Yes, totally. And it's like, we are forced. It's just, you know, well, all of this, white supremacy is at the core of everything. We yes. know that that's a given. But, you know, it's almost, you know, as a disabled person, we are operating in a world where we have to make temps feel comfortable. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like I need yeah. to get, so I'm in a wheelchair, but I do this, this, and this. So maybe we can connect on that level. Cause I don't want you yeah. to be uncomfortable because I'm sitting here yeah. in my wheelchair. Yeah. Which, do you, the, uh, <laughs> you know, so before one of the things that, especially when I first started, like people being like, Oh, do you want me to push you? And I'd be like, Oh no, don't worry about it. Even though I'm struggling. Be like, no, uh-huh. don't worry. Cause I don't want them to feel like they are um, I don't want them to be more uncomfortable than they are with the wheelchair already, right? right or yeah. like they're pushing somebody sick because that yeah. in itself will affect their social standing. Yeah. And in fact, the ability for them to kind of just act like they saw me along the road as opposed to that they're connected to me in any way. Right. I, I was trying to provide them with that out, that social out. Mm-hmm. So let everyone direct their ableism towards me but you shouldn't have to feel the brunt of any of that right because it's my duty to protect you from society that hates me and it's not your fault and Mm. therefore you shouldn't have to deal with that right and that like just all of that work that you do um even transfers trying to make transfers look as smooth as possible so that people don't feel uncomfortable or like you know trying not even basic clumsiness that we all have trying not to be clumsy with anything so they don't think oh well all right Uh disabled do you know what Uh I mean and those kind of things not trying not to mess up one word so that they don't feel like and just it's a lot of labor that you do as you said to make the people around you comfortable when you're in pain you don't talk about that when people ask you how you are you say I'm fine I'm I'm great right I'm cheerful and wonderful all the time right exactly order for them not to see the wheelchair as um as some as as a barrier to them being able to engage with you as a barrier for them being able to see you as as you are right you're doing all of these things and jumping through all of these hoops 
And most of the time, like, it doesn't make a difference. <laughs> it doesn't change anything. 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 Right. It doesn't change anything. And as I've grown older, the thing that I've learned is that there are people who are going to meet you and be like, oh, this is awkward, but I'll work my way through my own awkwardness. Right. And then there are people who are going to be like, mm, this is awkward. Continue to prove to me that you deserve to be in my presence because I yes. actually don't see you as the same. Exactly. And that, that just... And then there are people who are going to be used to the thing, but then will try and pathologize you according to what they know about it. And then there are people who will just be cool and just be like, oh, okay, it is, it's irrelevant. Right. And just being able to, yeah. Yeah, it's tricky um, because the reality is that I am a disabled person. I yeah. can't do everything like attempting. Exactly. I can't, and that's <laughs> fine. You know, like, yeah. don't make me like, okay, I don't want you to see me. And then like, well, I don't even see your disability. See this no. shit. You need see to. It. Please help me. I need you to help me up the hill. Like, I'm not trying to. <laughs> Thank you. You know what I'm saying? People don't like to Yeah. well, I don't even see you as a disabled person. But yeah. that, that says a lot. That one is another. Self. Right. Yeah. But I need you to, because I might need some help, you know, yeah. and it's, okay. you know, what I'm, it, it, it's so tricky because on one hand, I, you don't want to be defined like, oh, here's yeah. Dana with MS. Like, you know, no, I don't yeah. want to be that. However, like if mm. you try to ignore the fact that I'm, that I'm disabled, like that's to my detriment. I can't yeah, move like you can move in the world. And, and, that's and okay. that, that, yeah, there you go. And that's that it, you should have the empathy to recognize, oh, actually, that work, but that thing might be a bit too high for Kim to reach, you know, let yes. me move that or let me, you know, this, there's an incline coming up. Let me push her because she's got, you know, a manual wheelchair. Let me try mm -hmm. and move her a little bit. Actually, it might be easier if we're getting in the car for me to put her wheelchair in the car for her, instead of her having to do it herself. That might be a lot of work. If she's, mm -hmm. if she's asked her, oh, we've been out all day, so she might be tired. So mm -hmm. don't worry, I'm here. When are you by yourself? You can do that stuff. Or when I'm here, let me help. Like, right. There, there is... There is something about, but then again, that that environment can only be created when someone has proven themselves to be able to be trusted with your vulnerability. Yes. Right. Yes. And if someone is awkward, if they're uncomfortable, if they don't see disability and all this kind of stuff, then you don't get to be yourself in yourself, right? Mm -hmm. You don't get to be like, actually, you know what, yesterday. I could do that but today could you help me get blah 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 they're not going to be like oh but you could do it yesterday so why can't you do it yourself oh getting lazy are we like there's not uh -huh. going to be <laughs> yeah. that kind of pushback there's not going to be like oh I'm not really comfortable like touching the wheelchair or just watching you struggle with something there's uh -huh. not going to be that whole thing and so it's just but then it's difficult to find or to be comfortable with people in general without you having to create this environment that gives them the room to be awkward and do potentially violent things and say potentially right. violent things and make you uncomfortable in order for them to learn that they you to be able to kind of teach them better so there's there's still a lot of work that you have to do so much work yes because the reality is that first of all it's work like you've got like I'm to the point now where I'll call you out if you do some shitty ableist shit yeah. I will like you have to name it and that mm. is a really that's a process to come to mm. become comfortable doing that because mm. it's not easy to really yeah. you know have to point out like well you kind of got this wrong that you know but but it's work mm. you know what I'm saying like it's an exhausting thing like yeah you know just to have to like you know, well, let me educate you on this, like this. Yeah, say maybe this. try it this way next time. Like, you don't get to be upset. You don't get to be frustrated. You don't get to feel angry. You don't get, you don't get, you're not permitted those range of reactions that you would ordinarily be permitted were you not someone who had a disability. Yes. You're not permitted. Yep. And, and that, that is something that folks don't get. There are so many times where people do mash up things and I'm like, look, and I might tell someone about it and the person I tell about it, they're not even the person who did it. They'll be like, yeah, but maybe, you know, they didn't mean it that way. And actually, you know, people don't really know, you know, so maybe you should be a bit more understanding. Meanwhile, 
in my story, I did not once tell you that I shouted at the person. I didn't once tell you that I got upset with them. I didn't once say, I'm just describing the frustration that it caused me at the time, the hurt mm -hmm. it caused me at the time. But there's always more consideration given to the person who's having to deal with yes. you and your disability uh -huh. yep. than you having to deal with the ramifications or the consequences of them or the load of them, yep. right? Mm -hmm. And that alone is why I, I just, you were saying earlier that um, disability makes people kind of aware of their own humanity. And I don't think that's what it does. I think, I, I agree in a sense, but I disagree in the sense that I think what it does is make them face the things they detest about mm -hmm. their humanity, right? 100%, you are, yeah. and I say this all the time, like black, being a black disabled person in within blackness, I'm the physical representation of their black condition in mm -hmm. general, the brokenness of it, the lack of access it causes, the way in which it is viewed in society, the way black people are treated in society, the disempowerment, Mm -hmm. I'm, I physically represent those things that they are desperately trying to escape from and hide from, right? I'm literally that. I am blackness personified in the world of whiteness and white supremacy. Yeah. And so not only are they dealing with facing that side of themselves, oh, ah, yeah. the West side, because I do not represent black excellence. I don't represent us getting over. I don't represent us being akin to or the closest thing to whiteness that we could be in order mm -hmm. to be worthy of being human. I don't represent any of that. I represent the brokenness and the actual things, the horror and the terror and the pain and the anguish and the result of having your back stood on for years and years and years. And that physical brokenness right that's what you get to see when you see yes me, right so and the true. fact that i'm still here and i'm here and i'm in your face kim thank you yes. so 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 much for chatting with me today for listening to my crazy tangents and streams of consciousness i appreciate it mm. No, it's been wonderful to speak to you. Relieving, actually. Yes, it does. It feels like, like a, a yeah, a, breathe. Like yeah, I can yeah. breathe. Yeah. Where can people find you online, Kim? Um, they can find me uh, on Instagram and Twitter. I think at uh, Triple Cripples, which is T R I P L E C R I Double P L E S. So Triple <laughs> Cripples on those. But on LinkedIn and Facebook and the other stuff, um, you can just find it at The Triple Cripples, and on YouTube. Um, or you can just go to the website and find all the links there, which is um, www.thetriplecripples.uk. Just .uk. No .co.uk. Just .uk. .uk. And you'll find everything there. But yeah, that's those are the best places to find me. Um, I'm thinking of closing my personal Instagram, which is why I didn't get that one. But also, it's personal. Haha. -ha. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> but yeah, that's where they can find us. Um, and maybe on the website you'll see more of the stuff we've done um but yeah it's uh it's a labor of love for real and for true it's mm -hmm. a labor of love. and also thank you for reaching out it's wonderful to connect with other people and just be able to be in community i think it's a very important thing for us to be able to speak to each other and just see be like i see you you see me yes you know exactly um, yeah. Would you be willing to come in and chat with me again? Okay? Yes, of course. Of course. What do you mean? This is, like I said, this has been relieving because, uh, you know, one of the things about the Triple Cripples is that I don't really talk a lot about MS there. Mm -hmm. And I don't really, um, because that's the specific, the individual um, ailment is not right. the focus. Right. right. It's the, con the nature of our condition as a whole. Right. Um, Whereas being in a space where I can talk about everything, mm -hmm. because it it's relevant for me, right? And mm -hmm. it, it 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 plays into almost every area of my my life and being understood because some you're talking to someone who gets it and someone who understands. Right. And can contextualize what I'm saying right. in a way that 
doesn't make you feel alien to them. Right, um, I know. I think it's, yeah, exactly. Right. It's a beautiful thing. And also I think it's necessary for us to have these conversations because I feel like we haven't even scratched the surface of some of the ideas and, you know. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. Well, thank you again. And this is the first of many conversations. Amazing. now we're friends you're not just yes. the person that i you know thought was so cool and idolized on the internet now we're friends <laughs> i love that yes of course <laughs> Why not? that's how we do it why not yes. it's you have to speak things into existence yes i respect definitely. that yep yes it's gonna happen thank you thank you, you. Thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can find us online at myelinandmelanin.com as well as Instagram and Twitter at myelinmelanin. If you want to connect with Dana, me, directly, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at retrosoul underscore underscore. And well, hey, I'm on the Instagram too. Uh, and if you want to connect with me, uh, go ahead and reach out. I'm at El Caballo Negrito. Uh, Caballo is C-A-B-A-A-L-O for the monolingual. Uh, and that would be important if you want to find me on Twitter, which is just El Caballo Negro. Uh, find me there. Uh, hey, catch up with us next time. We're going to keep raising the tap. Bye.